right, this morning we've got uh, some of our ministry staff joining me here uh, today. And the reason we do this is each week, uh, my staff, we all, we all get together and we discuss the passage um, that we're going to be preaching that week. Regardless of who's preaching, we have a conversation about it. And I've often noted that the conversation about the passage is much, much better than the sermon that actually gets preached. And I said, at some point, we need to let uh, the people of our church in on these conversations. So that's where these started. This morning, though, we're going to have a topic we're going to discuss, which is prayer. So we're going to look at some scriptures together and discuss it uh, uh, together. So I don't know what prayer is to you. I want to give just a couple of ways we think about prayer as a way of an introduction. Number one, uh, you may think of prayer as a good luck charm. Now, of course, you would never say that. That sounds terrible to even say it out loud, but that's nonetheless, it may be how we engage with it, which is if I go to do something that I feel is important, I'm going to pray for it because if I don't pray, I'm going to have bad luck. It's going to go poorly. Or maybe you'll do it uh, after the thing happens. You go do a thing, it didn't go well, and then you don you, oh, I didn't pray before, so obviously I didn't rub my good luck charm because obviously God can't do good things unless I, I ask him. To do good things. So you see, it sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud. So maybe you think of prayer as a good luck charm. Uh, the other thing you may think of prayer is as an obligation. Like, well, yes, I want to be a Christian, and I love the Lord, and I'm thankful that He forgave me, and the Bible says I have to pray. So if I were putting the thing together, I wouldn't do prayer. Uh, but since it's in the Bible, I better figure out a way uh, to pray. And so it, it, it's, a, it's an obligation, it's a duty, something that must be done. And if it's not done, obviously God will look at me with the, the, those very stern eyes, with a you know, furrowed brow. Why aren't you praying more? Which, of course, makes us want to pray so much more when he's furrowing his brow at us, in our, in our imaginations anyway. The other thing you may think about prayers, you think of it in terms of, uh, you quantify it. If I am a prayer, it means I pray, pray a, a certain amount of time. Uh, so that means, uh, obviously, a three-hour prayer is much more effective than a 30-second prayer. And that's how we tend to think about these things. So the reason I bring all of this up, because I think these are ways all of us think about prayer, is it reminds us we need the Bible to tell us to have what the right perspective on prayer is and, and what it's about. So that's what we're going to do uh, this morning. So up here I have uh, Kylie Jo Flanner. She runs and looks after the kids in our children's ministry. And so we're thankful to have Kylie Jo here, plus your ministry in the church. This is the part where you clap. Yeah, they were getting ready to. I didn't have to. They were almost there. Uh, this is uh, Pastor Todd. He runs the student ministries uh, here at FBC. Glad to have him here this morning. And, uh, and Pastor Jeff, I still struggle with this title. I think it's Missions and Outreach, but as I often say, if you've heard me say this, I'll keep saying, it's pastor of everything I don't feel like doing. And uh, he would laugh harder if it were less true, but it's, it's just so true. So uh, what we're going to do, the other thing I want to make note of, and then Kylie Joe is going to kick us off uh, in the Lord's Prayer. They're up on your screen here in the Worship Center as well as on your screens at home. On the bottom of the screen is a telephone number. So as we're working through these topics, you can text questions or comments to that telephone number. Uh, Seth is mon monitoring that text down here and what he's going to do is uh, forward those uh, to me and then as we have time and are able, we'll engage with as many of those questions or comments as you might have. Uh, so feel free to participate in the discussion via uh, text if you'd like to. And uh, so, Kylie Joe, what passage are you in and why don't you take off with, uh, on this for us? Yeah, I got the um, unknown little passage called the Lord's Prayer. Um, 
I'm going to read through it quickly. When um, we prepared for this, um, uh, we're going to be reading through Matthew 6, 5 um, through 15, so a little bit before the actual prayer. And when you pray, you must not be like hypocrites, for they love to stand up and pray in the synagogues and the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty praises as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. And this is the part that most um, people who have been believers for any length of time have memorized. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Um, so what I've done as um, it is not a small section of scripture and it is quite well known is picked a few things that stuck out to me and have affected how I pray and just how I think a little bit about prayer. Um, the first thing is um, the fact that this was a meant to be a contrast a contrast to how people were praying at the time. It mentions it before. It mentions the people that were, were just using words and words and words, those three-hour prayer sessions that said nothing, thinking that that's the way to get to God, versus um, the Pharisees who had a lot of ritualistic, um, and, and there's some uh, prayers that they would, they would repeat often out in front um, and to make themselves look better, the wrong motivation in prayer. Um, but what I liked to see, or what I looked at, was it says in verse 9, and often we skip this little phrase, it says, pray then like this. And that phrase is important to me because I can tend to be a little type A. I don't know if um, you have one of those people that write the list so you can check the box even though you already did the thing on the list. Um, so when I read or I hear the Lord's Prayer, I think I need to pray these exact words. It's a formula, A plus B equals C. But when you really look at that scripture, it says pray like this. And I'm a picture person, and any of the kids from Kids Out know that I like to give examples and pictures. And um, so my picture is versus uh, the mathematical formula, A plus B equals C, it's a framework. And um, I don't claim to know much about construction, but when you are framing a house, um, the people that are doing the framing have a general idea of what they're building, but they don't know exactly what's going inside of that house. They don't know whether it's going to be a study or a nursery or what that room's going to be. And I think if we look at the Lord's Prayer like a framework to build off our prayers versus just reciting it, um, that it will um, kind of grow in meaning. That's to say um, that we don't just forget the prayer itself. Um, there's a whole reason that there's so much poetry in the Bible. Um, that is so we remember it so that it comes to our mind in the time of greatest need. So I believe that's one of the reasons why Jesus said, here, I'm going to give it to you in a poem so you can remember how, um, how it is to pray. So we're going to just take a brief look um, at some different aspects of his prayer. 
So the first thing that I find fascinating is in verse 8, it says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Uh, so that kind of begs the question, then why are we asking him? <laughs> um, and for me, that's the framework that maybe prayer isn't only about me telling God what I want and waiting for him to answer it, but maybe it's about me and my heart and how my heart and relationship can change during, during this experience of prayer. Um, and the way that that starts out is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right there, it shows that we are praying to the perfect holy God that was created, that created everything. And it also is a reminder of the gospel for me because the only way that I can pray to a perfect holy God is because Jesus is in me. Um, without that, I would be a broken person that could not be um, near the Father. The second um, observation is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And for, for me, that's a heart change. KJ, <laughs> it's, your, it's God's will, it's not yours. I, I have an idea of what I want, but I have to remember and recognize that it's God's will in my life, and it's gonna look a little bit different. That leads my heart to change um, whenever I'm praying. The next section is give us this day our daily bread. And there's so many different opinions about what the bread is and what that means and you know how we can trust. But for me, what really popped out is this is the confidence. When you say daily bread, and you say that to the Israelites, they would probably recall to the time in the Old Testament where they got bread daily from God, literally, manna. So for me, when I read this phrase, give us to this day our daily bread, I can read it with confidence because God has provided. He provided for the Israelites and he will provide for us. And sometimes it comes as manna and sometimes it comes in the land flowing of milk and honey. <laughs> um, but either way, I have the confidence that he's going to provide. The last chunk um, of the scripture could be 12 different messages, but for the sake of just the last observation I made, um, I have this section kind of highlighted together. Because to me, it's an action. So a lot of times prayer is static, or we assume prayer is static. We're dialing up and we're talking to God. Hey God, this is what I want, this is what you can give me, hang up. But here, prayer is a two-way street. He's saying, no, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So there's action in it. I need to be actively forgiving. I need God's help to forgive me. And for him to forgive me, I need to um, have that action in my life and be moving forward. Um, and again, those are just a couple brief um, observations, but the one um, to just close that really kind of also changed my perspective is to think that it's Jesus who gave this prayer and he says pray like this, meaning Jesus is praying this prayer. And if he said pray like this, it meant he was praying like this. So as I was looking at the other prayers that Jesus prayed, when he'd get away and um, pray by himself in the garden, which we have um, have talked about, he, he's praying like this. And what better way can I become more and more like Jesus than to pray like he did? And he basically laid it out for us um, and gave us the framework to really grow in that aspect. Uh, one of the things that's really interesting about this prayer is that how similar it is to that prayer in Gethsemane. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, where on the one hand he's saying, seek the Lord, on the other hand we're seeking the Lord's will. And uh, it really, Jesus demonstrates to us both in the prayer here as well as the prayer in Gethsemane, that a prayerful 
uh, prayerfulness is begins sort of with a humility that we're coming to God seeking his way our what we want should engage with that uh, but on the other hand his way is sort of what we're seeking it's an assumption that his way uh, his way is best and one of the biggest challenges like you say this prayer puts things into action forgive others as and I'll forgive you there's a notion here of a, a, a relational aspect of prayer that doesn't just involve me and God it involves uh, God myself and another individual mm -hmm. that as I'm coming to God knowing I've been forgiven how could I possibly have that conversation going on knowing that there is unforgiveness between me and another individual? And not only that, knowing that God cares as deeply for that other individual as he does for me. And that, that relational complexity creates something in prayer where I don't just go to God and ask for what I want. It engages really so many areas of my life because I'm coming to the Lord for his will. And what's his will? That I would forgive. Why is that his will? Because he forgave me. I mean, that becomes sort of the, the natural uh, extension of that. So, and uh, it really is a, a, a very brief kind of thing. I really love this notion of a prayer that Jesus has given to get us out of doing rote prayers or repeated prayers. We have tended to then turn into a repeated prayer. And, and it's kind of, uh, not that we shouldn't, I like your, your comment. It's poetry, so we shouldn't remember it. But it's actually something that's supposed to tell us how to pray. Don't just pray these words. And that's a really, really uh, helpful point. Jeff, Todd, what else uh, do you have on that? Yeah, I just like the idea of praying like Jesus. <clears throat> so if any of you guys are on your journey of uh, growing through prayer, what to pray for and, and uh, how to pray, uh, that is a beautiful imagery of how to pray, to pray like Jesus, because that is the ultimate goal uh, as Jesus is transforming our life is to be more like him. Yeah. yeah, the benefit of, of having the Lord's Prayer even memorized is is when when, when I pray, um, I think of the the elements of that that the framework that you were talking about are uh, things. So first of all, I'm praying to God who is holy, um, and so just praise, worship. So I'm, I'm I'm thinking about praising Him and worshiping Him through my words and through my prayer, and then uh, supplication, praying for other people, and 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 giving uh, God's provision not only for me and my family but also. For those believers so it gives me knowing the lord's prayer it actually gives me um uh a framework to just say oh did i did i pray for the forgiveness uh people i need to forgive like to change my heart but also who um uh people who need forgiveness and and, and things like that so there's a there's also a sense of self-reliance in here that we're, that i think prayers is working to sort of strip out of us so this notion of um give us this day our daily bread. I think on the one hand, many of us might think that we would love it if we got up in the morning and there was just a buffet that was provided to us. Um, but I think on the other hand, I think there's something within us that is driven to be self-reliant. Mm -hmm. That I, it, I do want my daily bread. On the other hand, I also want to be able to say I can earn my bread. Right. And, and prayer here seems to be working towards a, a, an intentional willingness to sort of strip away uh, our self-reliance. Have you guys seen that operating uh, in your life? or? I, I think that as well as um, allowing it to change my attitude. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's that pride, that same self-reliance. I think I already know the situation and I already think I know how it should go. And as I pray this way, that can't happen. Because I'm right. actively saying, no, your will be done. Oh, you're going to provide that bread. Oh, okay, I have to forgive. So suddenly it's less about my needs as far as selfish desires of the outcome and more about the process and really, and really having my heart changed. Good. 
We did have a question come in. It's a, whoa, I almost dropped my tablet. Uh, it's a really, really uh, challenging question. So we're starting the varsity league here. Thank you. Um, if we're to pray like this, our father, is it acceptable? Or what about people who, when they pray, pray to Jesus or pray to uh, the Holy Spirit? And so the first off, this particular passage, the Lord's Prayer, uh, the topic or what he's trying to teach is not who to address our prayer to. Jesus always prayed to the Father as the Son. And so we see him modeled at throughout uh, all of his prayers. And so that makes perfect sense. But we might ask it this way. When the disciples were talking to Jesus, uh, you're walking down the road to Galilee. They did a lot of walking and they would talk probably about important things. Were they praying? I didn't see now you're working it over. If you're talking to God, are you praying? You know, you're, you're arguing with me in your head, I can tell. Yes, that, that in essence, in fact, I might suggest that would have been what I would consider some of the most profound prayers. What would your prayer life be if you could walk with Jesus around the lake? What would, you know, that means you're talking with God, engaging with him in a back and, and forth. And so while I think when we see the, the, the triune God working, the Holy Spirit's role in our life is to glorify the Son by doing the work of the Son through us. And the role of the Son is to provide us redemption that we might have access to the Father. And so if you routinely pray and address your prayers to the Father, I think there's good argument for that. If you pray, dear Jesus or Holy Spirit, I can't find a biblical reason why that would be erroneous. Uh, and so I don't think we would argue uh, anything against yeah. that. Todd, you yeah, yeah, there's no, I mean, like you just said at last, there's no a prohibition in the Bible to not like it's not okay to pray to the Holy Spirit. It's not okay to pray to Jesus. Uh, meaning it is okay. Um, and and the the way I think understanding our triune God in prayer um, is one of the ways is is actually even in praising God who He is is an admission of of knowing uh, the three persons and. and, and addressing them as they have their ministry. So um, when I'm talking about Jesus in my prayer and thanking him for his sacrifice, I mean, that is, I mean, that is a prayer to him um, and prayer for the power of the Holy Spirit to, to be evident in my life. That means when I'm sharing the gospel. So um, a way to think about it is just to, as you pray, um, think about the, the uh, like I like to say, the different ministries of each of the persons. Um, and, and so when you're praying about um, uh, sharing, sh like sharing the gospel with someone, I mean, that's, that's, that's really uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, and so uh, as all our prayers are, but just that's thing. And then if we're, if we're just want to be um, talking about forgiveness and grace, I mean, obvi obviously I'm going to pray towards Jesus on that one. Uh, thank you. Uh, and so just kind of understanding their different ministries is a great way to kind of uh, flesh that out in your prayers. No. Good. All right. Well, take away uh, just to sum up and then Todd's going to uh, work through, uh, let's see, Matthew 544, praying for our enemies. The Lord's Prayer, let's memorize it. Let's know it. That's uh, yeah. fantastic. On the other hand, let's have our prayers come from our heart by the Holy Spirit, guided by the truth of the word. In, in seeking the Lord in humility, seeking his provision, especially seeking reconciliation with God and others uh, versus having just a prayer that we read through as a good luck charm for our day. If I say this before I get in my car to work, I'm going to have a good day at work. I think that's precisely what Jesus was sort of trying to get away from. Sure. All right, Todd uh, is going to be in Matthew 5, 44. If you want to turn your copy of the scripture to look there at a couple of verses. So, yeah. Todd, 
uh, you have the floor. Yeah, uh, I'm going to just start in uh, verse 43, um, just to give more of a context. It's a Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, so he says, You have heard it uh, that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes it... He makes uh, his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And uh, w when I was at DTS, uh, one of my professors said, always pay attention to the buts in the Bible. Um, and in this case, in verse 44, there's a big but. Um, and, it, and it says... The, the reason there's a just like the Lord's Prayer, um, and he's doing this throughout the Sermon of the Mount, um, is he's contrasting what you've heard and with what the reality is as, as Christians is how, how we to pray and how we are to um, uh, love one another. And so he, they, they heard that they were to love their neighbors but hate their enemies. And he's saying, no, that's not true. You are to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that means, um, and one of those ways that we love our, love the enemies is to pray for them. Um, and so it's an active uh, idea. It's not um, when we pray for our enemies well, is an act of love and doing so means that we're actually praying good things for the, those people. It's not, um, I pray that that stubborn person will start seeing it my way or it's not praying for um, uh, their, their, oh, I hope they find Jesus, although that is part of loving that person. Is It's always good to pray for salvation, but it's not just that. It's not, hey, come over to my side and understand the way things I understand them. It's actually praying good things for the people that you don't like um, or actually are persecuting you. So we can think of this as, for me personally, I get jealous sometimes of, of people, um, and by sometimes I mean always. And so, um, and, and so the jealousy part, I, I have to... Part of working that jealousy out is praying for that person and that they would succeed at what they're doing. And instead of saying, "Man, I hope that the like sun, like sun comes down on their like sunshine parade," um, and and so it's actually praying good things for them. Um, and so this, the reason we do this is for two reasons. One. Um, doing so by praying for our enemies, loving them, it, it shows that God's justice is his uh, to execute and ours to, uh, sorry, his to execute, not ours to um, uh, do, basically. It's not, justice is not ours to, to, to um, uh, fulfill on other people. And then also it, it actually humbles our heart. I mean, it's really hard to hate someone that you are actively praying good things for. Um, it's hard to hold on to that anger. And so um, what, one of the ways this works out is, is simply just saying and understanding uh, there's the old adage of if you put yourself in someone else's shoes like or walk a mile in their shoes because then you're uh, a mile away from them and have their shoes. Um, and it's just, uh, but it's the understanding that, that it actually humbles you to put themselves in someone else's shoes, understanding things. So pray for that person, that enemy of you, um, to succeed and like pray like they're your loved one. Uh, pray as if they were your mother or father, or if they're already in your family, pray as if you uh, love them more um, and how Jesus would see them. And so um, that's what I would say. Yeah. It reminds me, uh, the prophet Jeremiah, when the people of Israel were uh, in captivity in Babylon, uh, in one place in Jeremiah, somewhere it is said, uh, he said, pray for your city, pray for its flourishing, pray, pray for its prosperity, 
because in that city as God pours out his blessing on them you're going to experience that as well so here are the people of Israel in captivity and God is calling them to pray for their captors yeah. and it's a uh, I might suggest when we think of ourselves as believers, we uh, many of us as Christians would consider ourselves consider ourselves countercultural. We uh, we think and believe things that more and more over time our our culture no longer thinks and believes. What's interesting to me, we usually think of those in categories of of morals, how life is done, how relationships are done, and we think uh, the Bible teaches these things about what's right and wrong in life and relationship. The culture doesn't believe these things, so therefore we are countercultural when in fact in in a culture that is very divided this is probably the most countercultural thing about being a christian is that among all of the divisions in culture christians are the ones actively pl- praying for the blessing of those who would be against us and and as individuals actively praying for those uh, who are against us as you've mentioned before Todd this doesn't mean we actively stay in destructive relationships yeah we uh, if, if there's destruction going on seek uh, good boundaries and safety on the other hand it really does something to our heart when we pray for people who are against us interestingly the Bible tells us Jesus is always praying for us and outside of his reconciliation all Jesus has is enemies because that's how the Bible describes us outside his redemption and so all we're doing in praying for our enemies is praying Jesus is, is we're doing what he does is pray for people who tend to uh, be against him so really uh, really fantastic on that Todd Jeff or Kylie Joe what, what did you see in there yeah I, th- I think it's really it's healthy to pray this way mm. uh, you're gonna reap a huge benefit in your health in your mental capacity um, we just are naturally, like Greg was saying, we have a natural uh, default. Uh, there's a counterculture. Counterculture culture is alert, fear, scarcity. But to be able to come before and pray like Jesus does, it's good for you. It, it's going to change your heart away from those things that are natural. And it's going to move it towards rest, peace, understanding, and strength. It really does. I think um, just as to kind of go off that, it's that heart change piece. I cannot, I cannot be the same person and hold the same anger if I am praying intentionally for somebody. Um, that's that's something that I've you know I've learned and 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 worked on constantly. Is Lord, okay, how do I pray for this person? And I think that's the aspect in. The question that I would ask the most in this situation, how do I pray for this person? Because right now I just want to pray that whatever they're doing, they lose. And that's not, but no, how can I pray? How can I pray for them? And how can I pray that? And it's going to change your heart, just like you said. And I think I've seen that in my life where my perspective changes because I'm seeing these things. And suddenly I have to recognize that, again, it's God's will. And the bad things are bad, but he's... He's the one who exacts the revenge, as you were saying, or the justice, um, not the revenge. But um, so I think that for me, um, 
that's another part of that heart change is just to really force an intentional intentionality in yeah. that. Yeah, there's a there's there's this idea, especially when praying for your enemies, that there is a wrestling with that. Um, I mean, I don't. This is not an easy, easy thing that, that Jesus is asking us to do, um, because there is that prayer that. I mean, maybe I'm the only one, but I've prayed like to like about a person go. Come on, God! Like, and I know I didn't say any words, but that frustration of like either they're getting something I don't like or I mean even just thinking in, in terms of, of, of politics is, is just like someone I didn't like like one or or um, and they for whatever reason you know I mean that that there is a little frustration and wrestling with that um, uh, but to pray then and say and take a step back and saying like look I mean uh, God, God is sovereign here <laughs> it's going back to the Lord's Prayer uh, God is sovereign in this and and you know what um, uh, we can take a step back and, and pray for good things for those people. Um, it really does change our heart. Yeah. So we should really uh, look differently when somebody comes up to us and says, I just want you to know I've been praying for you. <laughs> we should immediately know we're their enemy. Yeah. Because that's it. Yeah. Okay, what's going on? It's really hard uh, to know. A quick question from, uh, the, uh, from the text that I want to, anybody who wants to jump in, which is somebody, please. God calls us to walk by faith, but he also calls us into action. And we've seen this both uh, in this prayer as well as the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to see them actually in each of the sections. So what's that balance, if that's the right word? What's, what's the balance in knowing when do I pray and when do I get after it? How do, how do, you, how do you work through those uh, kinds of questions? When's the time to say, no, I'm just going to give this to the Lord in prayer? When's the time to say, uh, no, it's time to get something done? Oh man, this is so great! Uh, it, it, I know students are probably going to laugh at me. They're like, in, in, if they're in here, and so. Um, but Nehemiah is a great example of this. Is um, throughout the book of Nehemiah, he's, he's he has he's tasked by God to to rebuild the walls of Jer Jerusalem and. He's praying all the time. Yep. Like, I mean, before, after, he's getting uh, death threats and threats of, of violence against Jerusalem um, and his people, and and he's continually praying. Uh, but what's amazing about it is that he's continuing to build the wall. Like, so he prepares uh, people, and he at one point because there was, he, there was there might be an attack, even though he prays. Um, he has everyone have like a sword on their side and working with one hand on the wall. Um, so he's preparing for the, the battle and says, hey, if there's a battle and you hear a horn, like, hey, rally to it because God is on our side. Um, but it doesn't mean he doesn't prepare. It doesn't mean that he doesn't um, actually continue the work that God has given him. Sometimes we think prayer is a passive thing. It's like um, the idea of let go and let God. Um, it, uh, not really, like, I mean, no, it's, it's like if you're sick, you can pray for healing and go to the doctor. Those are two like those aren't antithetical uh, antithetical anti antithetical yeah they're not opposites thank you uh they're not opposites you can still pray for healing for your body while still going to the doctor um because one we don't know how god is going to work um and he could either heal you miraculously or he could heal you through the medicine or he can heal you miraculously in a way that the doctors are like oh my gosh this is crazy so um so we work um, and that's not doing work is not um, the opposite of faith in waiting on God's pra right. answer to prayer. Yeah. Okay. So short answer: When do we pray? When do we get after it? Yes. yes. Uh, but when we're making when we're making decisions, uh, number we want to be in the Scripture. We should know what the Scripture says. We're looking for decisions the Scripture may speak into. And secondly, throughout the Bible, see good counsel. Yeah. Pray. Get busy. See good counsel. Be in your Word. And you say, well, that has it won't answer my question. <laughs> 
that's the that's the walk of the Christian life, working through these things and seeing what the Holy Spirit leads in, the, in these ways. Yeah. I think that just to add to that, the only thing that um, my challenge would be is to be prepared for it not to be the way you think it should be. Right. Your action. Um, often, if you come to prayer expecting action, you are already expecting what action. Unless it's called out in the scripture as the action, you have to be willing and open to listen to those who are speaking right. into your life or to the to the prayer to well maybe that action is actually different right. um, and that's not inaction that's just a different action right a willingness to actually have my mind change yeah yeah which yeah. we see in Jesus um, the devil takes him up onto the temple and says jump off so the angels catch you and in fact really nothing inappropriate about that other than Jesus point you don't put God to the test however both at the end of that temptation period as well as the garden of Gethsemane what does God do sends angels to help him right and so the what the devil was seeking was actually not a bad thing but not in that time and not in that way and and so that is where uh, prayer obviously can obviously can reinform how we approach uh, things one other thing Jeff I know you're trumping at the bit to get after your uh, topic uh, one one of viewer notes in John 11 that Jesus says I love that's one of my favorite prayers he prays out loud dear father uh, and I'm just praying out loud so the people around me can hear and because uh, you know uh, what what I'm going to pray about. And, and so I've always said this. This is a great opportunity for me to preach a mini-sermon. If you are praying to make sure people hear what you're praying, make sure you're Jesus. Right. <laughs> and, and if you're not, that's not a big deal. That's great because there's only one. So just pray so God hears you and, and leave the sermons out of your prayers. Uh, but the question is, can God hear, can God uh, understand and hear our prayers, not just when we speak them, but when we pray them in our hearts and minds, and actually the conviction here from this commenter is, therefore, isn't that a good reason for us to be disciplined to take captive the thoughts of our heart? Yes. Uh, my favorite one uh, of those kinds of prayers, I think her name was Hannah. Is that Samuel's mom? Mm -hmm. Does that sound right? Okay. Um, uh, she's praying, and all, all, her, all is happening is her lips are moving. And in fact, it's so strange that the priest accuses her of being drunk. And uh, she goes, no, 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 I'm not drunk today. And or something and <laughs> I can't remember exactly what she says so she's praying and nothing is no words are coming out and how do we know the Lord heard that because what did what did the priest say your prayer has been heard mm -hmm. so even those prayers in our hearts and and like the Holy Spirit he prays for us sometimes our prayer is nothing more than oh I like that prayer that you said Todd that is a prayer the Holy Spirit is going to take that 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 movement of our soul before the Father, and he's going to know how to translate that into a, a prayer. So yeah, uh, two points on that, uh, that viewer's uh, point. Number one, yes, God does hear us when we're praying just in our mind. He also hears and sees everything else. Yeah. Uh, so there's a good uh, opportunity there to see our minds made holy by the work of the Holy Spirit, because we know that's a real challenge. Yeah, what, what do you think we're doing when we're, when, when Seth's up here and worshiping and singing songs of praise? Right. I mean, that's prayer. Yeah. Um, we might not think of it in that way, but that we're, we're singing holy songs to, to or, again, not that there's anything special about the songs, except for that they're declaring the words of our heart, and, yeah. and that's, that's prayer. Yeah, the gospel. So, Jeff... It's going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. The end of the section there on, is on prayer. Just before that is uh, the armor of God. Uh, so, Jeff, uh, take it away. Yeah, so in that same thought, uh, what are we actively praying for? In Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, it says, Pray at all times in the Spirit. So we see that theme already talked about. The Spirit is interceding and praying for us, and we join in. And with all prayer and supplication, 
To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me, opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly, and I ought to speak. And I love what Paul is emphasizing here is that there's an urgency to be praying supplicational prayers, which is basically requests to God. You're calling upon God, petitioning of him to do his will through his purpose and prayer. And specifically here in this context is the gospel. So there's great urgency in Paul's heart to see believers praying uh, requests to other believers, praying for them to be bold in the gospel. Because beforehand we saw the, uh, the benefits of the armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, Shoes, readiness, and the gospel of peace. Shield of faith, helmet of salvation. The sword of the spirit, was what is the word of God? This is all the gospel. So he is emphasizing the point that what we should be specifically praying for in our request is praying that believers would be bold in the armor of God in daily, everyday life of the gospel. Uh, also, the believer in Christ praying for proclaiming of the gospel. He was asking for believers to do that for him as well. Addressing and petitioning of God to give words to those proclaiming the gospel. So he had a great concern in his own heart that believers would pray for this. And the reason for that is because Paul, being human still, he knows that he is vulnerable to Satan's attacks. And so we can also join into that type of prayer. So that's our active prayer uh, right there. It said before that we pray. Uh, keep an alert and being active in these things. And also, Paul, in his own example there, he says, I am the ambassador of chains. Paul is an ambassador of chains and asking for believers in Christ to pray for him, that he will boldly proclaim the gospel. Today, believers in Christ can do the same for each other. We can boldly pray for other believers to be bold in the gospel. And I was just thinking about that. It's like, what if we we're all doing that? I mean, the world will come to know Jesus if we are praying for each other to be bold in our everyday gospel. I mean, if you think about it, if you take all the energy of all the other things we pray for, which is fine, it's fine for us to be praying for each other, uh, specific needs, uh, maybe health issues or job opportunities, keep going on in that. But if you also move towards praying that the boldness for the gospel would be proclaimed, that would be awesome. That would be amazing. That's what his heart's desire was, that the, uh, the believers would do the same thing. So, I, you know, that's an encouragement for us to be praying that way, too. So if you ever get to that spot, it's like, what do we pray for? I'm, I'm out of things to pray for. I'll keep praying for that. One of the things as elders here at FBC we do, we pray for you guys. We uh, get name cards, and on there, sometimes I don't, I don't know everybody. Some people I do know, and I'll pray specifically for their needs. But one of the things I pray for is that they would have the boldness of the gospel in their everyday life, in their work environment, in their neighborhood, in their families. And so you can see the urgency that Paul is saying here to, to encourage us to do the same thing. How do you see the, um, the armor of God interplaying in that? Because that, that leads right into it. How do you see that? Yeah, so the armor of God is basically the imagery of what the gospel has done for us. See, this is good news because we have a story, The whole, like KJ was saying, this is the framework of the gospel. 
We see that the gospel is truth. We see the gospel is righteousness. We see the gospel uh, gives us peace. Um, there's faith in towards the gospel. Uh, gospel is salvation. And this armor of God is that imagery of everyday gospel going on in our lives that we just would live out. And it has to be done through, through prayer. Yeah. I mean, if you're wearing something that, especially something that demonstrates something you're interested in. You know, if I put on a... A, a jersey or I have a one of my masks is a Seattle Seahawks mask and so I'm walking around people make comments about the Seahawks and a lot of times I forget I'm like why are you talking to me about the Seahawks I forget I, well I've got a mask on uh, with it on and it's if we're wearing the armor of God what are we gonna be praying about gospel kinds of things we're gonna be praying for righteousness in people's life and salvation in people's life and the praying the Word of God uh, in people's lives uh, many of us struggle with this notion of discipling others, even though Jesus told all of us, go and make disciples. We often forget that probably, I might suggest, the greatest way we disciple others is just pray for them, for the things that needs to be in their life, to pray that they overcome sin and that they desire the word of God like honey and uh, that they would uh, press into relationships where they share the good news. These are ways we can be praying for one another that, that are very effective ways to impress the, the person of Christ into our heart. Kylie Joe. Well, I think it's also, the, it shows the relation, um, relationship between those you're praying for as well. You don't have to, you know, like you said, you don't have to know every one of them, but man, we are partners in the gospel of, I am praying for you to share the gospel with somebody. There's an, there's a partnership there. And that, that's one thing we learn about God is that we, we are his bride. We, the church, something we've been learning in Kids Zone, we're all the bride of Christ. So you can't just disconnect. We're not our own little quote unquote islands. And so um, I love that when you really look at Paul and what he asks for prayer is he, he doesn't always start with the physical needs that he, he, he needs. He, he's and he's being vulnerable to ask because he knows his weakness. And I think that's something that it's almost too vulnerable for, or maybe I don't believe it. I think we, we've mentioned before, like, Lord, help me share this gospel. That's more scary than asking for prayer for my toe to feel better, right? It, that doesn't make sense. God, God is a God of power and greatness. And so I think that's an encouragement that I have that armor of God and the Holy Spirit to empower me to do that. But I think that there's a little bit of that camaraderie with being in relationship with Christ. Um, so my, you know, the result would be after the elders have prayed for these people every, every month, or you're gonna meet them go, hey, now I know that name, I have a face. There's a connection and all you have been doing is praying. And so I think that's just part of that relational aspect of the gospel that can be seen in prayer. So that beginning of the uh, the armor of God though says put on. So this is something that has to be intentional. Yeah. It, it just doesn't come natural. Right. And so that's where uh, where I have this term I use a lot. It's gospel fluency. You're just rehearsing the gospel to yourself, and that's where that grows. Yeah, I, I think uh, one of the things we forget in in the sense that it's constant is is we think prayer is actually passive. Um, we, we don't we don't think that. Um, whether we don't believe that God's going to work through it or we don't believe in, in answer prayer, like whatever the reason is, is we think it's, it's again, a passive thing. And so, but really, uh, I, there was a popular saying, and I don't know if someone said it to me or a famous pastor or someone said, if, there's, if you didn't do anything else today, like nothing else for 24 hours, whatever it is, but just pray, it wasn't a wasted day. And so 
um, just the idea that that God, it, pow, or sorry, prayer is powerful. Um, God does answer. God works through prayer, um, and so just to rem- that reminder of doing it on a, a regular basis of, of, of it's something we have to actively engage in. It's not something passive. Yeah. One quick question, then we're going to get to um, Psalms. Um, a person asks, like you say, prayer is powerful. Do we change God's mind, um, or do we influence His, his plans? Uh, so that's a fair question. Do we do we change God's mind? So let's ask Moses. So Moses is on Sinai. He's receiving uh, the law. Uh, the people of Israel are having a party. Let's just leave it at that. Kid zone is in the room. Um, and the Lord says this to Moses, your people you brought out of Egypt, which is strange for God to say it that way. Uh, they've done what they do. And I'm going to wipe them out and start over with you. And Moses then says to God, a, a prayer for 40 days, 40 nights, what will the Egyptians say about your great name? Yeah, well, they'll, they'll say you brought them out just to kill them. What will the Egyptians say about your great name? Don't do this. And, and the phrasing, it depends on the translation you have uh, of your Bible. It might say God relented. Some translations do say God changed his mind. And did Moses influence God? I, you know, I honestly don't know. I'm going to let you wrestle with the scripture uh, on that one. But we can see quite clearly that Moses' redemptive prayer, God, you save these sinners, interacted with the purposes of God to redeem sinners. Uh, so I think our prayer is a fundamental element of God's work to redeem. At the end of the book of Job, God tells Job's friends, who have been not friends, um, if Job will pray for you, I will forgive you. And so God tells his friends, I won't forgive you unless Job says to forgive you. And then the Bible says Job offered a sacrifice and prayed for his friends and they forgave him. So again, God, uh, Job's prayer working in conjunction with God's heart of redemption is somehow interacting with God's will to redeem uh, sinners. So do we pray and change God's mind? I think that might be too broad. But our prayer is a fundamental element of what God is doing. And uh, that may be one of my first questions for God when we cross the threshold is, uh, how did our prayer interact with your sovereign purposes? But it is clear from Scripture they do. And uh, our prayers engage with God in his purposes, and, um, and you can work through that. Okay, let me, uh, I'm in Psalm 13. Am I, Psalm 13, and my topic here for the uh, time that we have, that we have remaining, notice how they used up all the time. You guys all want to go to lunch, and it's my turn. Um, so we'll, we'll try and do this uh, briefly, but I, I also don't want to shortchange it. Psalm 13, the topic I have is what do we do with unanswered prayer? What do we do with the fact that we pray and God doesn't seem to hear? To the choir master, a psalm of David, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light uh, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice and I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Real quick on this, because then we're going to jump over to Psalm 6. Uh, If you have experienced uh, unanswered prayer or a sense 
that prayer isn't being answered in a timely fashion, that's normal. The normal experience of someone praying is the weight and sorrow of the delay. That's a normal, ordinary experience of the prayer is when I pray, it isn't answered when I want it prayed. When God answers your prayer, it is always later than you wanted Him to answer. If it was 10 minutes, you wanted 5 minutes. If it's 2 days, you wanted Him to answer in a day. And I'm, I say you, I'm in this group. Whenever God answers the prayer, it's not fast enough. So it's the normal experience of praying that when I seek the Lord, His answer is always going to seem not when I want it. And so that's the normal experience. And, and we have to find our hope as the psalmist did, not in our prayers being answered what we want or receiving exactly what we want. Instead, our hope is in what he says, the Lord's steadfast love. So our hope is in not what happens in our prayer per se. Our hope is, is God who he says he is? Is his love steadfast? Now, real quickly, uh, and I hope I don't short shrift it too much, Psalm uh, six. There's four stanzas here in this unanswered prayer. Verse st first stanza, verses one, two, and three. Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is great uh, is troubled, Lord. How long? So one of the reasons he's struggling with unanswered prayers, it seems there's something going on in his life. He wonders if God hears his prayer. Have you ever prayed and wondered if God is still holding against you what you did before? And so you're praying, no answer is coming, and so you assume, yeah, what I did last week was pretty bad, so therefore, obviously, God is never going to answer this prayer. And that creates a lot of inner tension and turmoil and suffering, and the psalmist here is struggling with that. He's going, Lord, uh, I... Uh, don't rebuke me. Don't be mad at me. Uh, don't discipline me. In your, I just need you to hear me on this one. I, I don't need you to worry about what happened last week. I just need you to hear uh, my prayer. Uh, the second stanza, look what he says in verses 4 and 5, Psalm 6. Turn, O Lord, and deliver me. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. So what he says is, God, hear my prayer not because of what I do and what I'm like, but hear my prayer because you're loving. So the way he's addressing that tension of unanswered prayers, reminding himself God's love is steadfast. I can't sin my way out of God's love. And so therefore, God's, I'm going to trust God will answer my prayer because he is uh, that loving. Uh, verses 6 and 7 of Psalm 6. I'm weary with moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eyes waste away. My, it grow, I grow weak because of my foes. He has a, a serious situation. He needs God's prayer. He doesn't know, or God's answer. He doesn't know if God's going to hear him because he's sinned and, and maybe God's not hearing his prayer. And now he's wondering, does God even hear? I love these Psalms. Has ever, uh, certainly you've been in this kind of position before. I mean, this is all of us. And this is, and a lot of times we feel like there must be something wrong with me that I feel this way, that I'm this upset when I'm praying. And look at this guy. He's a wreck. And it tells us this is a normal uh, uh, routine of a, the, the, a person coming to the Lord in prayer. It's a mixed bag of, does he hear me? I know he loves me, but I sinned last week, and I'm being kind. I sinned this morning, or I'm being really kind. I'm, I've sinned during this prayer. And so how could God ever hear a person like me? And um, his rest is in the fact that God is steadfast. Look how confident he is in God's steadfast love. He says this. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. 
He is so confident in God's answer to his prayer, he now turns and starts talking trash to his enemy. God, you hear me. Your love is there, even though I'm not perfect, and even though I don't know when you're going to answer. And then he turns to his enemy, in this case, Jeff. You're toast. I know God hears me. And the enemy, meaning the devil, will often tell us God will never hear you. He doesn't listen to people like you. God would, would never. And so one of the things we have to take away from unanswered prayer is this. In Christ, wearing that breastplate of righteousness, God hears your prayer. That is the confidence every believer in the Lord can have. He gives us access to the Holy of Holies by His shed blood, and God hears our prayer. Not because we deserve it, but because of His uh, steadfast love. So, two parables you can turn to later in Luke chapter 11 and Luke chapter 18. One is a neighbor who wants some bread, so he pounds on the door until his neighbor gives him uh, bread. And the other is a widow seeking justice. She goes to the judge until he finally relents and gives her justice because she won't stop bothering him. And the lesson in that is just simply this. Be a pesky prayer. Don't let God off the hook. If, if, if there is something in your heart and you are moved by God to seek it, keep seeking it. When will he answer? Later than you want. What will happen between now and the answer? Tears, anguish, doubt, guilt, shame. This is the, uh, this is the work of prayer. And that's, and that's why we jump into it and say, I'm going to get it done uh, because the Lord is steadfast uh, in His love. Okay, very quickly, any uh, interjections on that before we dismiss? Boy, that was nice. Go quick. <laughs> no, I just love the imagery of uh, pesky prayer, and it fits in with what I was saying about uh, offering supplication requests to uh, uh, to the believers in Christ. That that would never end. That that would just continue to be part of your wrestling in, in prayer. And um, I think also outside of being pesky in prayer, he's going to be pesky in changing your heart, too. Yeah, it's good. Um, I think just as you think through this anguish, it involves the whole being. And I, and I love that a lot of times the struggle, it's real. God can handle real. I love how um, David did this a lot. Like He told the Lord how he's really feeling. And I think some of us, as you grow up and you expect this prayer to be perfect for this cute little package, but but God can handle what's on our hearts, mm -hmm. and we, we can come to him with that. And then, like you said, Jeff, we can allow that to change. And, and the depth, for me, that has changed once I am allowed to do that with Christ, with through prayer, um, the depth of relationship, man, it can change. It, that hardship, that struggle of waiting for an answer to prayer is still there, but the confidence in who God is, um, knowing he can handle when I'm like, okay, God, I'm a little upset right now. I want this, you know, um, but he can handle that. In fact, he would rather hear that than us pretending um, right. that we weren't upset that our prayer wasn't answered yesterday. No. So. One last thing, somebody asked, well, what's some good ways to start a conversation? I think off of Jeff's topic, start a conversation in the gospel. Since the topic is on prayer, I'll just give you one thing. If you want more things, see Jeff after. Um, <laughs> You know, ask people if you can pray for them. That's one of the ways to begin having conversations about spiritual things, is to say, how can I be praying for you? I have had one time in my entire life where somebody told me no to that question. And that was weird. I was shocked. Can I pray for you? Absolutely. No. Okay. And so I didn't. That's fine. But that's one way to let people know you're concerned about them, is to say, how can I be praying for you? And then if you're going to do that, though, do pray. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's got to be a part of that. It's not merely a, a polite thing to say. 
but make that so that, you know, how can I pray for you? And that is one of the ways you can let people know my hope is in the Lord, so I've got to seek Him in prayer. Were you going to say something, Todd? You started doing Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, and then you prayed anyway. Um, but uh, one way, I mean, especially with gospel conversations, I think, um, is, is to, to realize that every conversation you have can be a gospel conversation. And meaning, find that connection with that person. Um, I mean, if you both like engineering or both engineers you have a certain language certain vocabulary that as engineers you guys understand um and so but finding that that common ground um um even if it's just the idea that like hey we live in a broken world um that can be the jump start to uh, to, to a gospel conversation like they say oh isn't it how messed up how this is going on in the world and that's a great stand like you're right I, I believe the world screwed up too yeah. um, and here's why like I mean that's a great just find the connection points that you're already having conversations with every day find that connection point of the gospel of the parts of the gospel whether it's uh, we all fall short of the glory of uh, the holiness of God um, um, or even just the idea of um, wanting more there's something greater um, the idea I mean, so there can be plenty of different connection points just look for those in your daily conversations and pray that you actually have those con- like hey I, God put me in a place where I can share the gospel with someone today or um, uh, pray for those lack of a better term, divine meetings. Yeah, which, yeah. Just a quick kids piece. Um, This is something we talk about in Kids Zone, so that's why I jump in, Um, is we have a hope because we know the end of the story. Hmm. Things can be as bad as they are now, but I know the end of the story, and that's something we talk about in Kids Zone often. Hmm. That is something you can always talk about, no matter what's going on. I know the end of the story. I have hope. I have Jesus. Um, And that's an easy way for us, and through kids, can bring in that hope. Good.